You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Robert Smith, and I hope you're having a great day wherever you are listening from. We've spoken with a lot of fair planners on this podcast. Today, however, we welcome one of our industry service members. Today's guest performs over 300 shows annually. Their show is packed with stage illusions and daring escapes. They join us now from their home outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. From Extreme Illusions and Escapes, this is Josh and Lee Knotts. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you. Thanks How for having you? us. Uh, I'm glad to have you guys. Now, right off the top, uh, for anybody that doesn't know you, it's real easy to look at your name and go, well, that's that's Josh and, and Leah, but it's not. Explain. Um, my actual given name is Leanne. Um, my whole family calls me Lee. Um, Josh was always concerned that somebody would think that we were two men performing together because my nickname is L-E-E, so he feminized it for us, so it's L-E-A, and like you, assumed it was Leah, a lot of people do, and we always say, do you swim in the Sia, do you eat Pia's, do you drink Tia, so I'm glad Lee. you threw me under the bus there, Lee. Thank you for throwing me <laughs> under the bus. This is why we uh, we go over some things before we start the recording. Oh, is that private? Well, I'm sorry. Still, still to this day, there's fair managers that come up and call her Leah, and I say, just let it go. Just let yeah. it go. Yeah. Pretty much anything, yeah. Yeah, and that, you know, it's it's interesting, because I, like I was telling you before the show, I had friends growing up that were Leanne, but they would go by Lee, and I don't think I ever wrote it in my whole life. I just said, hey, Lee, and... And, and until now, I am 41 years old, and I have been set straight. Yep, you are it. Leanne, and you go by Lee. It's L-E-A. Sure. It is now. Well, it's for me. It is I'll for you, that. and that's what we're <laughs> going with. So we are recording this uh, about the third week of January 2021 on a cold Friday night here in New Mexico. I'm guessing it's pretty chilly up there in uh, in Pittsburgh right now. The reason we're doing this so late, it's about 8.30 p.m. here in the West. It's the only time we can get our kids collectively quiet <laughs> long enough. Is that correct? Is that what I understand? Well, we're crossing our fingers. We can't make any promises. We hope. It is the weekend. I mean, they, they think that they got it made on the weekend. They get the stamp a little bit later. Yep. Right. Yeah. My Usually my son is in bed. Nate's in bed about now. And, and he's got his cousin here hanging out. And they've been playing with lightsabers in the backyard and doing Fortnite. And they're like, it's the weekend. We're not going to bed. I'm like, that's fine. Be quiet. <laughs> Absolutely. Quiet. Well, we, also, we also, like, we knew that you've done a lot of great interviews. We've been listening to your podcast. And we thought, well, you know, when you can't do better than what you've heard, at least do later. Yes. And we could say we were the latest <laughs> one that you've ever done and we can have yeah. claim to fame. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, considering most of, most of the, uh, the people, and you'll get this as entertainers, most of the professional fair personnel that work for the fairs that I interview have lives. And we as entertainers just, <laughs> we stay up late. I mean, I know at conventions, a lot of times there's two, three, four a.m. mornings because we're just staying up visiting. And we, you know, I don't know how old you guys are, but at 41, it starts to get to the point where I don't know if I can go back to conventions post-COVID world and be up until three or four in the morning. I'm out of gas doing that kind of we, thing. So we've lost our endurance. We're 39. So we're, we're well, right there. Well, you're 39. Calm down. Soon. Yeah, I know. Very soon. <laughs> careful. Careful. I mean, She's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so how's parenthood treating you guys you got uh a, did i see a six-year-old and a three-year-old or at least that's what it says on the website 
Yes, it needs updated. They're seven and four. So seven and four. Last year's um, thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm a teacher now. So that's another extra resume builder for me. So I'm wow. Did you, uh, what are you teaching? Um, second grade. Everything. Yeah. So oh, wow. Pennsylvania is still pretty locked down. We had to make the decision if we were going to do a hybrid schedule or if I was just going to you know, keep her home. We were going to, we tried the uh, remote learning option on the computer and it just wasn't working out well for us. So, I mean, really for our, you know, for our profession, uh, it's nice to have the flexibility of being a homeschool mom. So that's what we are now. I'm a homeschool mom and he does lunch. I'm, and I'm the gym. lunch, I'm the lunch lady and the gym teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it works. I mean, if that's, that's what you got to deal with to, to get through all this and, and you make it work. Um, now the kids, if you're homeschooling, were they, how are they doing, you know, with that, that virtual is just was not working for them. Cause I know with Nate, he's 10 and he's quick. I mean, he learns really quickly, but by God, he wants to be out on that playground and messing around with his friends. And he's in fourth grade. He's just not, he's done with it. Where are your kids at with that? Pretty much the same. I mean, our four-year-old, you know, she, she's just learning her alphabet, how to spell her name, all of that. Josh does a great job of just like, you know, kind of keeping her busy while I'm actually teaching something to Kendall, who's our seven-year-old. Um, she is super smart and loves school, but the virtual thing was just not, you know, God bless these teachers. They didn't sign up for this either. And some of them are better than others. And the end of last year really um, was pretty good for her with the virtual learning. And this year it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't working out. It was drudgery every single day. So I thought, you know, if I can tailor this to be a little bit more exciting for her, I think that it will go better. And that's how it's been she's she's done pretty well of course every day is not perfect but you know well in co there. covid related like every couple days there's somebody at the school who has covid and then if one other kid gets covid that shares any class they close the whole school down right and then right. they're all virtual anyway for the rest of the week until the next week and just no consistency you know for a seven-year-old is is a little bit tricky so we already yeah. have so much inconsistency with what we do for a living you know we're in a different town usually every week and she's pretty flexible but you know the not seeing your friends not knowing your teacher i mean they never even met their teacher at the beginning of the year so she's looking at a stranger on a screen it just it was not a great fit for us so yeah nate's lucky in that he goes to school where where sarah's the assistant principal and while he has not had this teacher before, he's known his teacher for several years um, outside of the classroom. And I, I guess there's probably some advantage to the fact that Sarah herself being an educator with the, you know, that education background and knowing how the system works with, you know, and how it's going to have to adapt with virtual learning that they just kind of, I mean, they're winging it and Nate's doing just fine, but boy, he's, I, I mean, at, academically he's doing just fine, but um, I would say on the, uh, you know, on the emotional mental side, it's getting to the point where he's like, he just wants to go run and play. I mean, these are kids that oh need gosh, to get us, out. Right? Every yeah. single one of us just want to get out and do something. I mean, yeah. absolutely. We understand him. Imagine those little kids. I mean, we feel, we feel that, you know, as grownups. So like trying to tell your kid, Hey, you're just never going to see your friends for a year. Sorry. Yeah. And it might be longer. We don't know. <laughs> and if you go to the grocery store, you have to have a mask and you have to do all this. And yeah, I've been telling people as as an extrovert, it's got to the point where it was almost physically painful, where I was literally like in hurting because I'm not going out and doing what I do. And it really gave me a new appreciation for people I know that are introverts because I always growing up, I'd see them. And I've mentioned on the show before where, you, you know, my friends that were introverts would go to like the school dance or, or a party or whatever, and they were just 
almost white with terror at the edge of the room. <laughs> nobody look at me, nobody talked to me. And I was always like, man, just loosen up. It's just a party, no big deal. I get it. Yeah, I absolutely. totally understand their discomfort now because now that the shoe's on the other foot and I have being, being an extrovert have been jammed into my home and told, stay there. You can't go to your fairs. You can't go to the gym. You can't do this. You can't do this. Like, what? Right? Yeah. Well, then you, you got to, your family becomes like the, like, victim of that like you're like trying to like keep cool because you have to perform for somebody right and so it's like hey Nate come here I'm gonna perform for you and they're like I don't want to see it anymore dad we all well and we all end up victimizing each other to whatever extent that we do our thing like you know Nate's always like yeah I can play Fortnite I'm like I really I don't do Fortnite that's not my game I'll play Among Us I'm, I'm all about that game but yeah he's always like well who can I play Fortnite with and so we're getting them you know, connected with actually one of the, the fair manager over in um, Coconino County over in Flagstaff, Arizona. He and I just spoke earlier today and he's got a 10 year old who's all about Flagstaff. And I'm like, you know, or all about um, Fortnite Flagstaff, whatever. <laughs> it's a late <laughs> night podcast. <laughs> I promise I've only had water to drink today. Um, <laughs> we but, also love Flagstaff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, I told him, I said, we got to get our kids connected. And he's like, oh my God, my kid's always trying to get me to play. Yes, let's get him and Nate connected. And so we're working on that. They'll have a good time. They'll survive. I mean, they'll make it through. It's um, Kids are resilient. I just hope the parents are resilient because I know the two parents in this house are running out of gas when it comes to this lockdown. Yeah. So yes. let's, uh, let's get to business here. Your show, I was looking at your website. You guys do 300 shows typically a year on average. That's a lot of performances. And question here is, does having young kids complicate the production of a touring illusion show? Um, yes. yes. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the way to phrase it. Um, I would say that just the logistics of trying to have somebody on the road with us um, all the time when our schedule, you know, from year to year, we can't say, oh, we're going to be gone from May to November. So clear your schedule. It's like, okay, can this set of grandparents come for two weeks and then somebody else, you know what I mean? They're leaving their own life behind. We don't have a life to leave behind. That is our life. Right. Um, so that's always and been tricky for us, childcare. That sure. also means that one of us always has a mother-in-law on the road right. with us at all times. So, <laughs> yes. you know. Yes. God bless both of you. God bless both of <laughs> you. Great, great parents. We don't take try turns. It. They're going to yeah. listen yes. to this. <laughs> yeah well you know i i know that um my mother-in-law may just listen and i know that sarah's mother-in-law may just listen so i agree we we love our mother-in-laws in this house um but listen for our nine listeners on the podcast <laughs> all nine yes all nine and i understand you've listened to a couple episodes so maybe you guys count for two of them give us a little background on your show how'd you develop it why'd you go there's so many different types of magic acts in the industry from you know, a strolling act to a street show, to an illusion show, to all sorts of different, what made you commit? Cause I know those illusions are not a, an economically cheap proposition. They are, they're a mortgage proposition. Absolutely. Um, so what makes you go that route? Cause there's a lot to that. Well, like, okay. So of course this is the little boy magic story, right? <clears throat> we all hear them. Well, when I was a kid, it was Copperfield. Copperfield he did it big. So I was like, that's what I want to do. So when it was time to go to college, I had already done a lot of magic. I went 
to study theater. So uh, me and Lee, that's where we met. We were at West Virginia University getting degrees in theater because I wanted to learn about all aspects of performing, backstage, building sets, costume design, lighting, the whole deal. So um, while I was in college uh, doing that and trying to figure out how to do this as a living, I was learning a lot about show production and spending every summer working backstage in production at a major concert venue, like one of these 40,000 seat amphitheaters. Sure. So I got to be around like the big time producers and promoters like from Live Nation. I knew I was holding guitars for, you know, bands when they were going on and off stage. Like I was right there in the thick of it, guarding rock star, stars, girlfriends. It was such an exciting four years. Wow, so, the look Lee just gave you. <laughs> I got to be Guarding, like, is that what it was called back then? Guarding. Well, you have to guard them from the union stagehands oh. that are normally backstage. <laughs> the rock stars are like, stand over here and make sure those guys over there don't mess with our girls while we're doing our job for two hours out there. Wow. <laughs> no so, pressure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But so that's what I did. And then whenever I got out of... Uh, out of college, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Where, where do I go from here? I, I'm doing all like the events around the state of West Virginia as an illusionist, but I need to find an, an industry. So the first convention I went to was the Maryland Association Affairs. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy named Robert Fogel. You may know him. We know He's Bobby. Everyone knows him. Yep. And he was that year in charge of putting together the showcase. And he picked me out of the hat to be one of the acts to showcase. And I, I think that was in 2005. And so okay. I've been involved since then. And, and fairs was kind of where I felt like as an illusionist, I could work because I was so into um, like working outside. I was like an Eagle Scout and a camp counselor. I was a kid doing magic at campfires to lead the campfire. So I knew I could be outside. I could get sweaty. I could... I didn't, I wasn't a prima donna about, I need stagehands to lift my illusions in and out of my trailer. Like I didn't a magician that's it. not a prima donna. How could that be? <laughs> like I need the sweat and the He's manual. The unicorn. I'm the <laughs> unicorn in the group. <laughs> Very hairy unicorn. <laughs> so, so I knew I this podcast like, was going to go this way. I just knew it. Children's book, the very hairy unicorn. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I just felt like this, this could work for me because I've seen, I saw a lot of really great illusionists come and go, they'd come, they'd smell the barns whipping across their stage and they, 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 the dirt on their props at the end of the night. And I think they just go, you know what? I think we're going to try cruise ships right. for a little while. And I just wasn't, I was not willing to leave something that I started. I liked the people. And I felt like, why turn backwards on something I think I've got a, a, a hand up on, you know? So that's kind of where that, that all started. And what is it now, 16 years? Well, as for me, um, I was never into magic. I actually didn't. You had a life. You had a life. Let's just say it. I was a dancer. Um, a dancer, you know, that was my whole, since I was three years old, I danced. Um, and I went to WVU and majored in performing and visual arts. Basically the same reason as Josh though, like just to get com more comfortable on stage, um, to learn about costuming, lighting, sound design, all of that stuff, because I actually wanted to dance on Broadway and I wanted to have the knowledge of just like a working theater. So that's the reason I, and my parents made me go to college. 
So, <laughs> you know, that's the reason. And then I met Josh there. Um, we were friendly, but only really because neither one of us wanted to be actors. I think that was the difference. You know, you can't really be a theater nerd and either not want to like run lighting um, or design costumes or be an actor or an actress. Um, and neither one of us wanted any of that. Um, and then we kind of lost touch after graduation and the, you know, thanks to the world of Facebook, we, you know, became friendly again a few years later. He asked me to dinner. I said, yeah. no. Well, he asked me again. Margaret, you should have stuck to your guns. Yeah. Do you remember the poke button on Facebook? Yeah. He kept poking me on it Facebook. Worked. Really? I didn't ever, I had people that would poke me and I'm like, why the poking? Stop poking. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> then he asked me to dinner again and he's just said, I'm going to be at this. This he didn't ask me. He said, listen, I'm going to go to dinner on this day at this time. And like, it'd be really great if you came there. And I was like, oh God, now I have to go because he's going to be sitting at this restaurant. <laughs> so, she this felt is bad for me. Oh, he's just going to be sitting there. All the servers <laughs> are going to think I'm a jerk. I'm not showing up. <laughs> Typical <laughs> magician, you guilted her into it, man. <laughs> totally. Oh, it gets better. Yeah. The, the wait, guilt starts wait. there. The but... best part is that this is still back, you know, in the days of like MapQuest directions you had to print out. And Josh will attest to the fact that I am terrible with directions. So I'm trying to follow MapQuest directions to this restaurant. I had to call my best friend who lived in California to look up new directions because I got lost. I was 20 minutes late. He thought I wasn't coming. Called California then, to get directions in West Virginia. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, she was awake. It was late. We do things late night here. Um, and wow. she, she gave me the directions. I finally got there. We had a nice dinner. And at the very end of dinner, he said, I have a question. I was like, what? He said, are you claustrophobic? I said, I'm not going to be. Oh, he had an ulterior motive. That's you were used. Oh, you know, you'd be great because you're a dancer. You're comfortable on stage. Like I've seen you do whatever. I'm like, mm -hmm, I'm not going to be in the show. And the reason why is this, I don't like magic because I'm not a good magic audience. I don't like to, I'm not loud. I'm like annoyed that I can't figure it out. You know what I mean? I'm like one of those kind of people which is the worst which audience is, Which ever is, by now. the way, 90% of people want to ruin it for themselves. That is true, right? yeah, 90% want to ruin it for yeah. themselves. We yes. always say, that was yes. from a great comedy routine somewhere. Um, but yeah, Josh uh, said that, and then I just said, I'm not gonna be in the show. And he said, well, if you wanna figure out how it works, you just have to get in the box. And I was like, I'm still not gonna be in there. Famous and then last month, words. Yeah, a month into dating though, I still wasn't in the show. And he said, just so you know, like, I am just starting out in this career. So like, I'm going to have to find somebody who's going to get in these boxes. And like, I don't have a lot of money. So like, I'm only going to get one hotel room. So as long as you're going to be cool with like me being in a hotel with like some other girl and I'm like, yeah, I'm 100% not going to be cool. So like, just put me in that box. Wow. I think I just lost half of my friends that I see at the conventions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the truth like, comes out. Horrible. You forced her to get in that box. Wow. Yes. But that's the story that's, of our love. <laughs> that's rough. That's really, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's a cute story. I mean, that, you know, you basically kind of pulled a little bait and switch there, man. She's here going to dinner, feeling kind of sorry for you, thinking, oh, you know, maybe he's cute. Maybe we'll kind of have a, you know, start a little relationship or whatever. And you're in there going, if I can just get this girl in the box. 
<laughs> that was misdirection. And fold her, cut her in half, and impale her with swords. And yeah, wow. Then, I will say, then he started teaching me like some escape stuff and all of that. And I, I mean, I do love to be on stage, and I wasn't going to be a Broadway dancer at that point. I mean, I was 26, I think. That's a little. That's a little old to start your Broadway dance career. Um, and I love to be on stage. I love to interact with the people. I think that's going to be the hardest thing trying to go back after COVID is not to be able to. I mean, let's pray that this year, you know, goes off without a hitch and we actually get to go to all these fairs that we have planned. Um, but just not being able to interact with the people as much as we do. That's something well, we really like I, pride ourselves on is like how much audience participation we have and, you know, how how personable we are after the show. We really genuinely love these people in these towns. I mean, we love going back and seeing them grow up. And it's so meaningful to us to have that family that we you know we leave our family behind so when we get to go to these towns and we see friendly faces everywhere it's really nice so we'll just be like waving from afar at this point i don't know how it's gonna right look. yeah i don't know how it's gonna look either we've already looked at with the uh, conjure fortune machine on you know how do we make it covid safe and and you know we'll have to put plexiglass in the box which i hate it's gonna get yeah. hot it's gonna but that's what i gotta do for a year or two and that buys me you know the rest of my career then that's what we'll do Oh, do you have to get in a box? Oh, I do, but I don't get I don't get impaled. I don't get impaled. on each side of your face. No, I, that was the best when Robert was talking to a lady who gets in boxes, little right. tight boxes, about having to be put in a box, and he was yeah. looking for sympathy. I, I'm so sorry for you. Look what you started, Robert. Yeah, it's it's a, a lady Houdini. She's in a box or a cylinder of water. I mean, yeah. At least we don't fill conjure machine up with water. That would. I mean, sure. maybe. Maybe that'd be cool. Maybe that'd be an interesting spin. I don't know. We'll I'll talk with off Kristen's bit. That is I'll talk with Kevin and Kristen and see see if they're cool with me piggybacking on that. They'll be like, good luck. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I think they would give you complete permission to have you in there with water. Oh, that'd be so great. So, like, can we just video oh, the once? Yeah, because it would be like, cool, that'll about 30 seconds into that act and we're going to lose, you know, one one competitor that we're not going to have to worry about out on the because he's going to drown while people are waiting to press the button i am be holding my breath going press the button press the button and they're going to be like no we're waiting for you to drown have such a humongous audience though because people want to almost die that's really what people want to see at this point that's what i was just going to say like i love what kevin and Kristen do she yeah. is such a powerful performer and yet the real thing, people are not there to see her escape. They're there in case the train wreck really sure. happens. People, and there's something sick. Yeah. <laughs> there's something sick. A, a little dark about that. Can yes. I can I tell you we figured that out maybe seven or eight years ago? Yeah. Um, we we realized that to get them to come to the show, we would fill 10 minutes into the show, we'd be full. Right. But we wanted them there at the start. And the way to do that was to have some crazy looking, dangerous, deadly contraptions sitting on stage uh -huh. for an hour before the show. And yep. then it will fill early. And yep. it's just that whole and the people want to see somebody potentially bite it on stage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yes. there's de there's definitely when you're doing when you're performing at that level with that kind of a show, you know, your average stage performer or, you know, kind of cabaret level close up performer never has that experience. Um, but when you put something death defying, dangerous looking on stage, it draws people. I mean, there's a reason Kevin and Kristen open with her inverted straitjacket escape. Yep. You've got that, you have that water torture cell sitting on the stage the whole time. People are going, well, is she going to get in that thing? And then the first thing they open with is this giant 
aerial act where from halfway across the fairground, people see it and go, I need to go see that show. Absolutely. You can't miss it. You yeah. see her up there, you're running over. Well, yes. that's the thing too, is people will always ask us like, well, why do you like, cause we basically set our stage with everything we're gonna do in the show is out on the stage. And the reason we do that is for just that. People are like, what is that? What are they gonna do with that? Are they gonna do that next? You know, and it makes them stick around. So once you get them in the seats, cause they see the scary thing, then they wanna see, well, what's that box do? And what's that one do? And what's that gonna, you know? So right. it really keeps them in their chair instead of, you know, getting a funnel cake Which, or yes. whatever. You know, I try and sound more thespian than that. So I tell people it's because I like Brechtian theater. And Brechtian oh theater was, it was where they would they would, pull, they would pull back like the curtains on the sides and the top so that you could actually see the people on the sides, the stagehands working all and workings. all the lights. They wanted you to be able to see the theater working like the, the drama around the drama. Right. Right. So I always thought that was cool. Yes. yes. Now, when you actually, when you compare the two shows, because you brought Kristen up, you got one mm -hmm. show where Kristen herself is the absolute star of the show. But I read on your website, Lee, you have one line in the show. I do. And it's from inside of a box. I don't even, I never speak you when you can see me. Speak. It's kind of like a little nod to Penn and Teller, I guess, you know, Teller never speaks. Um, mine, I speak, but you don't see me speak. And I'm not right. a great microphone person as it is. I mean, I love to talk, but do, do you know the line? I don't. Is it kind of you know? Kind on of it, also, not the Kristen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly, in all the years that we've been working and, and seeing each other at conventions, I don't think we've ever worked a fair together yet. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> no. think we have. So no, what's we've the what's a lot? What's the line? What's I'm the curious? Line? Yeah. So we we have three kids lock Lee into a box. So rather than doing escape scary, I want people to like realize the, the skill, skill behind right. it so kids come up and they lock her all in there and then when it's all locked up it's a little metal box and the sun's thumping down on it and i go let's check on lee it's been a while and i take the microphone over to the little hole beside the side and I go lee are you okay in there and from inside she says i, I can't, can't breathe. breathe i should let you say your line i know go ahead. So i can't breathe that's the line <laughs> and everybody laughs and <laughs> and that's it that's and it. then he said Okay. Oh, go. She's, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. Never mind that it's 110 degrees out here and she's inside a metal box. And I always say at the end of fair season, like, why don't I weigh 90 pounds? Somebody please tell me because I shed a lot of water during the fair season. And Josh yeah, can look struck during fair season. He can like, I don't know. I don't even know. He's yeah. so strong in fair season. Yeah, and you can't sweat it off to save your life. That's where I'm at right now. I gained the, I didn't catch COVID nineteen, but I did gain the COVID nineteen. It's been a, it's been a rough uh, year with stress eating and whatnot. I keep saying we're eating our feelings over here every day. I'm like, yes. this is the last ice cream I'm gonna have. This is the last whatever. Yes, but my emotions demand chocolate chip cookies and a lot yes. of them. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, 2020 was rough for all of us. Did you guys end up performing at all? Were there any fairs you got to? So we, Josh we, yeah, so we were, um, I was down all the way in Naples, Florida, which from here is like almost 20 hours away. Yep. And we were four days in when Disney said we're shutting down and the fair was like, you know what? We don't know what, nobody knew what's going on. Can yeah. everyone hang around a couple of days to see if we're going to be able to open next weekend or what's going to happen? Like, we just need to find out something. And the county wasn't really in the position where they were saying one way or the other yet. 
Um, they were all hopeful that they would every, be able to reopen. Everybody was hopeful. So we sat around for another four days and mm -hmm. then they finally said, okay, the county's like we're shut down and like the whole country shut down. So wow. I'm like, a, we're like a week into everybody being shut down and I'm driving north. And so I'm in Florida and Florida, man, they're wild because when they were showing the helicopter shots that like everybody was out having fun on the beaches, like mm -hmm. I was one of the guys there on the beaches not having fun, but taking pictures of everybody having fun on the beaches. Like, <laughs> I, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. So we're doing that. I get in the, uh, the truck, I'm pulling the trailer all the way north. As I'm hitting Georgia, I start seeing a few people with masks. I get to South Carolina, there's some more masks. North Carolina, everyone's got masks. I get to Virginia, West Virginia, they're wearing masks and gloves. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like something. Because in Florida, there was like, it was like nobody was concerned yet. Right. You know, and, and then all the way to people like going in in like hazmat suits to Walmart. Lee calls me. She says the uh, meat. I mean, I'm home. I'm home still. He's in Florida. He did right. that fair by himself. Well, not by himself. <clears throat> he had help down there. But I was home with the kids. When it was going on and every day I kept telling him I'm like this is I think this is a big deal like you don't even understand I said people are wiping down their groceries like there's no toilet paper I don't know what's going on and we had thankfully right before he left for Naples we had done like a huge you know Sam's Club run because he was going to be gone for a month and I right. had the two kids like well let's not have to go to the store while we're gone thank god because there was nothing to be had at the stores in Pennsylvania I mean it was there, it, it was empty the, the stores were empty up here so I stopped in the middle of West Virginia, and there was a Walmart along my route, <clears throat> and I loaded up with as much as I could buy. Mm -hmm. And then you when I pillaged got there, from another state, right? yeah, that's what I did. I had to run it across the border. <laughs> <laughs> smuggling toilet paper. You know, I, I'm originally from West Virginia, so it smuggling I felt like was okay. Yeah, it was hometown smuggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got was it Tennessee and West Virginia? You had some like some uh, some moonshine production going on way that's back in it. the day. That's it. <laughs> Don't pretend we didn't have some in our fridge because we did. Right. Well, you know, Sarah's all about the moon. She's got the moonshine pickles. That's what her thing. And I'm like, hey. I, I tried one, like a little nibble on one, and I was all, nah, thanks. Just yeah, no, it's not for you. <laughs> so, uh, well, listen, when you guys do get to perform on a normal year, what's the favorite part of the show for each of you? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Well, like, okay, so like the challenge for me was I wanted to do an illusion show different. And like, if you ever go to my show, there's a lot of like, um, I, I put all the attention and all the bits lead to a reaction or something that's said by an audience member for the big laugh, the big ta -dum at the end. And so I don't know what we're going to do moving into this year because the show literally, if I do in 30 minutes, I might do eight or nine effects. I mean, it's fast but like six or seven of them use an audience member. Right. So yeah, I don't know how it's going to go, but that audience interaction and the comedy of them getting all of the applause, like for me, I, that's the best part because you don't know how it's going to go. So it's kind of like the game I get to play. Right. How, what's this lady going to do? What's this kid going to say? And, and so it's a lot of fun. It never gets boring, even though I'm doing the same lines for like 16 years now on a couple of props, yeah. you know, if it works, don't, don't, you know, break it, right. leave it how it is, right. you know, if it's broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. <laughs> don't break it. Yeah, don't break it if either. Broke, right? Don't break it. Yeah. 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 Definitely don't do that. Um, we were talking before, you know, when we were just chit chatting about the show and I just feel like, you know, 
just doing the show this year is going to be my favorite part because, you know, for so many years you do, you know, we change, you know, illusions in and out, we change lines, we change music, whatever. Um, but, you know, it just becomes about like just getting it done, getting the paycheck, moving on, you know, when you do it for so many years in a row. And I think this year, if we're able to work, it's going to be like a little rejuvenation, I think for all entertainers, because you just do get burnout, no matter how much you love your job. I mean, you can only do the same stuff so many times before it just becomes like mundane or like, I can't believe people enjoy this still, you know? Um, And this year, I think we will enjoy it again, you know? So there is a little silver lining there, but um, it's just sad that it took this well, you, an entire year of not working, I, that's rough. I guess you know how how hard it is just to line up the gigs, just right. the work before you get to go do the work. So then you mm-hmm. get to go do the work. I, I mean, there's just a whole nother appreciation for when we actually get to do what we do as entertainers now. Yeah, we got to do one show uh, in October at the end of the year, this big mega church in Tennessee. Uh, actually, Kevin and Kristen suggested us for it. Yeah, oh, cool. So, shout out thank you for that because it was the one other gig that we had all year it was a wonderful place with wonderful people so great and it made me realize i go oh my gosh i haven't said any of these lines since march and i have said this stuff like every other week since i was like 22 right am i gonna remember the show and we decided i said should we practice i don't think we should yeah, let's just let's see what just happens. See what happens. <laughs> it was like a grand experiment. Yeah. And there was like seven or 800 people and they did two services. So there was like 1,400 yeah. people there. So I, I went out there and it was just like putting on a pair of jeans. Oh yeah. It was like- I mean, you just, just hear the music out. and you just go. It's just, you're, it is muscle memory truly. But I think what's really cool about that show in particular is backstage, um, at this church, they had a poster up and it said, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, God, for bringing me here. I could cry right now. Yeah. And that's the way it was. You're not the only one that gets emotional on this show. There's been several times, but that is like, I don't know that I've ever felt like that. Like it's a privilege to perform and now we do. So sorry. It is. It is. And I think we took a lot for granted this year. She, yeah. you, do you need tissue? Do you need to get her tissue? Josh, you need to take care of your oh, wifey. God. That's right. Crying to sleep. It is perfectly fine. I'll tell you what, I was um, doing an interview with John Sykes and he said something, you know, he's down at East Texas. I don't know if you've done the fair down in Tyler, no. but he's, he's a terrific guy. He's really been one of my mentors growing up in this, in this industry over the last 11 years since I really got into IFE. And he just said something that hit me just right. And I was like, I got choked up the, just the same way you just did. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to keep talking while you compose yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> all the Thank fields, man, it. all the fields, I get it. Yeah. So now listen, you guys live, you're outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've driven through there once. Um, I was going from the Illinois State Fair over to the Maryland State Fair to go actually was the, to go see Bobby and, and, and company. And Becky was still there then. And that was the year that, Andy ended up getting, I believe it was shingles right before the fair started. Yes. And so it was Bobby and Becky that were running, you know, luckily they are really good at what they do because it was like, this fair's on you guys. Good luck. And they, you know, they turned in a a great run, but you know, I, I remember driving through there and, and thinking, you know, I'm going to go from one state and then just cross the border and be into, into Pennsylvania. And all of a sudden I'm like, what is this West Virginia action going on? There's like 16 miles. It's nothing. 
And then yes, the thing right. that the thing that blows me away, I'm coming across in the interstate at this time. Of course, this is not the case now, but I'm driving through and I'm like, this little 16 mile stovepipe of West Virginia has got a Cabela's in it. Yes. At the time, in the entire state of New Mexico, there was not a single Cabela's at the time. But you had a little 16 miles wide swath, and there, by God, there's a Cabela's. <laughs> Welcome to West Virginia. It's West Virginia's amusement park. <laughs> That's oh, God. It's a great <laughs> store, though. I mean, just. It is a great store. Yeah. Yeah, I can get lost. We don't live very far from there. We yeah. are about on. The, we're right off of 70, which is what you were on. Yeah. And right. We're about 25 miles down the road from there. So nice. Yeah, next time so what's the, what, yeah, we'll just meet. We'll, we'll go hang out at Cabela's once everything's open again. Um, okay. Speaking of what's the uh, condition there in, in Pittsburgh that you, that you guys are dealing with? Are you locked down? What are your restrictions for Pennsylvania? Yeah, we're a mess. Our governor is the actual worst. I don't even mind putting that out on the airwaves because I think 100% of Pennsylvania agrees with me. Um, yeah, we've been in and out of lockdown. At this point, I don't even know what our restrictions are. For for a minute, it was like 10 people indoors. I mean, I, at Christmas and everything, they're like, yeah, you, you have 10 people. That's how many you could have for Thanksgiving for Christmas um, at your own house. I don't know how they can regulate what you do in your own house, but they're 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 really coming down hard any way they can they're they're using uh any means necessary to close restaurants and yeah. bars down mm -hmm. and this last lock people did it over and over again yeah and about october a bunch of the people who own restaurants and stuff were like we just aren't doing it anymore yeah we can't we, we, we will be out of business so. we've, we've put tents up at our parking lots so that we can not have to get rid of servers and bring more tables right. in which is hilarious because that's the it's outside but it's inside <clears throat> outside like they're bringing tents in so like you can't go in the restaurant but you can go in a tent that's outside so you're that's still totally inside. enclosed that's totally yeah. enclosed in the tent yeah. Because right. apparently this virus knows it, if the wall is made out of, of vinyl plastic. tent material, plastic, yeah. then it, it does. It's fine. You're safe. But if you go well, indoors you're by. You're cold outside. You're good. <laughs> well, but you should like, be warm inside. There yeah. are some states, and I don't know what our states is, but I guess some bars, it was like they were only allowed to open for certain hours during the afternoon and evening as if right. like COVID can't get you. Oh yeah. Between the hours of 3 PM and 9 PM, you're good. But if you, boy, oh, 901, good. everybody's going to die. That's yes. it. The best in Pennsylvania was, and I think it was in New York too, where you had to order food with your alcohol to go into a bar. Like you had to be like, I'll have chicken wings and alcohol and you could have alcohol. But if you didn't order food, you could only have soft drinks. I have no idea how that any of that makes sense. But what I do know is Pennsylvania handles its own liquor. They have a state store where they sell liquor. So I have a feeling it had something to do with that because those liquor stores never shut down. I know this for a fact. Yeah. yeah Everything else shut down stayed open. Yeah. Well, I, we, for a while, our, you know, our governor had, had kind of made no qualms about that. She was hoping to be, had, if Biden got elected, that she would be, um, I think she was hoping to be the, the HHS Secretary Health and Human Services Secretary. And mm -hmm. uh, he offered her interior and she declined it. And then he turned around and offered interior to one of our congressional reps. Oh, nice. uh, and so I, I think, um, I think for a little while there, she might've been playing real hardball uh, mm -hmm. to be, I, there was so much politics with it. I, I don't, and I said it over and over again, and some people still try to argue with me on this. I'm like, I don't question the science behind the virus. It's okay. making people sick. If you've got other problems like diabetes, heart problems, things like that, and you're older, 
or you're obese, then you've got real issues if you catch this thing. And I'm totally down with, look, if we got to wear masks for a little while, if we got to make sure people are safe, that's fine. But the politis- the way it was politicized all the way through last year is just... It's I, just an, at the detriment to so many. Yeah, people. our entire society, you know, and the mental health of our society. I mean, people are fried over being the gaslighting where... One day the CDC says this, the next day they say that. One day the media says you should do this, the next day that. And it's like, pick a lane yeah, and let's go. Choose. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know what you were hearing from Ferris, but it, it, to me it was like a fair couldn't operate, but the amusement park down the road could. Right. I, like it was things like that. And I thought, well, I mean – there's more open ground and space for people fair. to spread out at these fairs than these little gated amusement parks that right. they're allowing open where people are kind of squeezed in. I, it just, none of it made sense to me. I couldn't figure it out. I understand probably a lot of fairs, it was a liability, like, and they probably were yeah. expected to jump through so many hoops yeah. in order to open. It was hardly worth the the work to do it. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you from talking to so many fair managers on this show, the one overriding thing, if it wasn't their government that just came in and said, no, you're not doing it. The overriding thing in the decision-making process was if we have the fair and we can do it safely, if we're down 30%, 37%, 42%, what are the numbers look like? And it came down to, it was a bottom line decision. You know, when, when Jacksonville canceled us for this year, when they canceled their show, Bill called me and he said, you know, we're looking at and we're running models between 30 to 50% down. And no matter how you cut it, we're losing, you know, a, a rough as $100,000, $200,000, whatever the number was he said. But at that point, you might as well cut bait and roll that, roll whatever budget you can over to be a lifeboat to get you to the next year's fair. Um, the thing that galls me in all of this is, yes, Disney's been allowed to open. And I get that Disney has a bajillion dollar budget to be able to create what they need to create signage and physical distancing signage and all that kind of thing. I get that. But when you look at our industry, cause I'll give you this, when you talk about all the things that you talk about the square footage and how much space you could put in for, you know, guests at a fair, this is not the first time this industry has dealt with, with a disease we've dealt with, you know, swine flu, we've dealt with avian flu, we've dealt with um, salmonella outbreaks, all these types of things. We are, we of all industries are, probably number one prepared to how to mitigate these these diseases and yet we're told nope stay closed but walmart you know you can put 200 people in a walmart 300 people in a walmart that's not a big deal and it's like come on that's what you're talking about before i mean it's just what they pick and choose is acceptable is what's crazy and you know we it's heartbreaking for us to lose the fares last year and all of that um it's understandable because Number one, even if somebody told you you could open and you felt like you could make money, like who wants to be the first one to try it out? I mean, it's yeah. Who wants to take yeah? Who wants to take that risk? As as when I spoke with um, uh, Caitlin, who's the COO for Sonoma County out in California, she's also got a law degree, and one of the things she was saying is, early on, you just didn't there wasn't any case law on something like this. Well, you're starting to get case law starting to work its way through the court system, and is we both kind of, she and I both kind of agree that even if you have an attorney that can go in and say, and create doubt, because I don't know how you tie something to a fair, unless you can unequivocally prove 
that you did absolutely nothing outside right. of your home. And the first time you stepped out, you went to the fair and you got sick. Right. And I don't, I don't know how you prove it, but the, it's not a matter of whether they can prove guilt from the fair or culpability to the fair. It's a matter of whether the fairs can even afford to defend the lawsuits Correct. that will yep. pile up on them. So that's why I'm like, you know, I don't blame them for cutting bait and not wanting to be the ones that are in the jackpot if something goes bad, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. It stinks all around. <laughs> yep. They've got to, they've got to preserve their future. Um, just like you and I, as uh, the three of us as performers and, and running our businesses, we do. Um, so in the meantime, we're all left holding an empty bag and, and sure. hopefully we find a way to move forward. But I can tell you in talking to other guests while we've been recording, it's become apparent that more of us, especially as this has dragged on and more people are getting quarantine fatigue and whatnot, that entertainers, fair managers, vendors, more of us within this industry need to be in touch with each other and checking on one in, one another to make sure people are, are holding it together. Are you guys keeping in touch with your friends and your contacts within the fair industry to check on them? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, there's been a lot of people really touched by this and they, I'll, I'll tell you what you're saying is correct. It's, it's, it's actually dangerous if, if we're, if we're not reaching out to people. So if somebody's on your heart, you need to, you need to go ahead. There's something telling you to talk to somebody, even if it's somebody random, send them out a message, you know? Yeah. It's worth it because you never want to look back and be like, Oh, I wish I would have, you know, cause I mean, we've actually personally known a couple people who, you know, have taken their own lives during this time, not from the fair industry, magic, thank God, magic but magic people. people. And, yep. um, you know, it's heartbreaking and you got to think about these people too, who don't, I mean, I have Josh to vent to, or my kids to take it out on whatever, but like some people are literally at home by themselves, can't do what they do for a living, can't pay their bills. I mean, I know the, the state of mind I have been in for part of this year and it's not pleasant, but I can't imagine not having somebody there with me or somebody checking in on me. Like you said, I just think it's, I, I think the human, so the human condition makes it very hard for us to not know something's coming or right. that we can go do something like right. the, that somebody else is in charge of our destiny, that we have to sit here and wait for permission to do what we do. Especially as Americans, like yes. we are a proud bunch and we don't like getting told what to do. We just and also, you know, yeah. that's why I think I would say 99% of people that go into business for themselves, that's the one huge perk everybody always says is like, you're the master of your own destiny. And I can't tell you how like upsetting it was at the beginning of this to see people on social media be like, well, if you're a good business person, you prepare for things like this. And I'm like, excuse me, like I prepare if Josh, like we're prepared if Josh breaks his leg and we miss two fairs. We're prepared if I get pregnant and I'm out of the show for this year. We're not prepared for somebody else to tell us you're not allowed to do what you do to make money for a year. Who's prepared for that? That's right. insane. Nobody. Apple, and we, Apple yeah, is. Right. Yeah. And, and we told them they yeah. couldn't. They were allowed. End, end of list. And they're still making their phones and computers. So they're good. And well, and we thought that we were like smart because, you know, we knew with the fair in industry, what months we would work and yeah, we saw busy. holes in our year. And, you know, January, it's convention season. You get to spend a yep. bunch of money. You see all your friends. You line up your work in November a little bit as well, into November, December. But there was so many holes. So Lee, being a dancer, she used to always uh, help run a dance competition for a, a, a dance. Uh, My owner. old dance teacher. Yeah. And, and so we decided that we were going to do that. And we've been we running that business own. for this would have been the 10th year. Mm -hmm. This was supposed to be our 10th anniversary year. And we had two events that happened in February. And that was it. Um, but yeah, that takes place during 
our off season from the fairs. So, you know, we think we're safe. Like, oh, if we have like a, a not great fair season on the books, at least the competition will make up for it. Or if we don't have a lot of entries in the competition, we have the great fair season. And again, nobody prepares you that because you have two different, totally separate businesses that require, you know, live audiences and right. public venues that you're going to do nothing. So yeah, that was a double whammy for us this year. We're, Good times. We, we still have theaters. We, we bring our show in the theaters and we perform with the juggler, Michael Godot, and we do a 90 minute show. Yeah. And those have gotten all rescheduled now three times. Yeah. We just today rescheduled them again from May to September because theaters in North Carolina are being told that, you know what, they're telling us it's going to be at least the end of summer before we could open. Right. So I just don't understand. And I was talking to Marla about this when I had her on, you know, Marla Calico from IFE. She was talking about, um, you know, if you can have a fair that becomes the example, like in the case, in the example she gave was North Texas, where they were able to have a fair. Um, they were able to use mitigation strategies and physical distancing and mask wearing and hand, more hand sanitizing stations. Again, these are not things that are foreign to the fair industry. Right. This is very, we just add a little bit more. We've already got that there at every fair. We just add more of it. Um, and or what, what she doesn't understand is why is it if we can demonstrate that a fair works in Texas, why can't we apply those same standards in California or New Mexico or Colorado? You know, I think she said Colorado had some restriction, something to the effect. I'm probably botching the actual numbers, but there was a limit to say like 150 people that could be in a in an exhibit space um, at 12,000 square feet or 10,000 square feet, something like that. And I'm like 150 people. OK, so let's call it 150 people for 10,000 square feet. What if your exhibit halls? A hundred thousand square feet. What right. if you've got two hundred thousand square feet? Oh no, doesn't matter. This the same restriction that was at ten thousand square feet or twelve, whatever the number was, was at a million square feet. I'm like, that makes no sense, especially when Texas has just demonstrated that they can make it. They can make it work. Apply the same standards. Tell sure. people, you know, if you're sick, stay home. If you're vulnerable, stay home. But otherwise, yeah. you can come out to the event. You need to make sure, you know, wash your hands regularly, wear a mask, all that kind of jazz. If we can mitigate these things, why are the standards not the same across the country, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm even on board for, like, temperature checks. You want to give them a temperature check before they walk in the gates? I mean, sure. they're doing that at Disney. I, don't, I mean, yeah. I don't see any problem with that at all, just to be, right. you know, on the safe side. Um, of course, they probably have some upset people, but I'm sure, you know. Well, like every fair has upset people. So but you, right. you've been in the industry long enough. You probably see it the way that we do. Like we don't really take ourselves too seriously. We like kind of know what our piece in the puzzle is. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, like we stayed as a stage act. So we know that when people come to book our show, maybe 50% of them have a stage that we would can, work, can on. work on. So it. half the people who come up to us where if we were a grounds act, almost 100% of the people come up, have a spot of ground we could be on. But we chose that that was what we were gonna stick with. We're gonna be staged, we're not gonna be ground. And right. so we fill that need, but we know that need is only there to, to help appease the people in that area of the fairgrounds the to sell their yep. products. Yep. So we're, we're there because somebody needs to sell corn dogs or elephant ears or you know whatever it is, chicken on a stick. And so like we get what our piece of the puzzle is and we know like also like when we lose a little money, we know how much money the concessionaires are losing right. and how much the fares. It's kind of like everybody's different, 
you know, we yes. don't need as much as they do to operate. So like, we know where we're at with that whole scenario. I think you see that too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I do. I, I know where, where I'm at, where Conjure fits in. I know where Play With Giants fits in. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, how much money a vendor may lose or whatnot, or what they're, they're what they may do, um, you know, we've looked at, Sarah and I, initially we were thinking, I was really worried about some of these smaller acts and how they're, if they're not, they just started, maybe they're only booking two fairs to three fairs a year. Maybe they're making $26,000 a year. And it's like, that's not a lot of money. How are you going to make it through? I was really worried about them. But as this has dragged on, the needle has gone back the other way. I'm not worried about the little act anymore because the acts that, that look like me that have a fortune machine or you or Kevin and Kristen, that gear's going into storage and maybe you've got overhead. If you know, if you're not putting it in your own garage, right? Maybe you've got overhead to have a storage facility, but otherwise that's it. You think about, you know, Jimmy with sea lion splash or the rosaires with the racing pigs, those animals got to eat. They need veterinary care. They need facilities that to keep them in. There is still a ton of overhead. And I worry most about those bigger acts now, which is a shame because you know, an act like Sea Lion Splash is one of the premier, I think one of the A-level premier presentations in this industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spoke with Jimmy on the show earlier in the season. Um, he's in good shape. He, he's, they, they're going to be okay. But man, the, the stress that they get put under to make sure all those animals are still safe oh, and taken yeah. care of. The rest of us, what do we have to complain about? I mean, we put our, my stuff sitting in the garage. Right. <laughs> it's locked up in a road case. We're good. That's, that's kind of where I was going there. It's like, I kept reminding myself every time I get like a little upset or like, Oh, you know, I just wish I could get back to it. I would remind myself of that. Like this, we can overcome this. I was worried about other people in our fair community and it, it got me through. And I kept thinking, Oh man, if I had animals, if I had, you know, all this debt, cause I just started my show and all the payments right. are coming in, but I'm right. 15 years in, like I set a budget every year cause I can meet the budget. So I'm not backwards on anything. So I'm okay. Right. But 10 years ago, I would have probably been out. Right. Yep. I would have spent the money and I would have been like, Oh man, I just put $20,000 into a couple of illusions for the show for this year. I'd be done. Yep. Well, you know, another thing that nobody like really speaks about or maybe even thinks about is nobody puts more time into the fair than the fair. I mean, they spend the entire year for this event and spend so much money. And I just feel like I'm afraid for the fairs because I know Josh has talked to several fair managers where like, I am absolutely voting to have a fair this year because if we don't, like we're done this. I mean, so it's not just entertainers that we might lose. It's fairs. We actually might lose and that, that would be terrible for all of us. So my, my gut feeling and not to be, uh, I try not to be pessimistic about it, but depending on how the vaccine rolls out and what the next six to eight months looks like, I think we could see as high as 30%, 35% contraction within the industry. And, um, now, some of those that go away may be able to recover in two years and start up again. Yeah, um, some may be done for good. I hope it's not that high. I really hope it's not that high. But like you guys, I've spoken with a number of, of people even on this show who, you know, on the air, they say, yep, we're going to make it. We'll have our fair. We're going to be good to go off the air. They're like, if we don't have this fair, we are in deep trouble. Yes. And, um, you, you know, know, I don't what- know. I don't know how they're going to be able, some of them will be able to recover if they don't get a cash injection from the government. And, and that I know is tough. That's a tough pill to swallow in this industry because we are notoriously independent. You know, we want to do our own thing. We're farmers. We are a farming and ranching group. 
we just happen as the entertainers kind of we're kind of on the outskirts of that but we all at the core of this industry is a very independent lot and so to say in order for this event to keep going we need you know a quarter million dollar injection or a million dollars from where's it going to come from i i don't know i don't know either and i don't feel like anybody is um like i have not heard of anybody offering or even it's, thinking about it really it's I mean, uh well it's sad because we're part of like some other groups like performing arts presenters right. the the big one that meets up in new york city and so we were attending a lot of their virtual web things and now we're talking broadway and major like kennedy right. center they're all sitting in these zoom meetings with us and they're getting that right because they're in a venue that I, i'm going to say it this way it's sexy right, right. you know what yeah, i mean right. like there's something the broadway and the kennedy center so like because of that the money gets flopped their way and yes. i feel like some of that money should have come down to the communities which every community just about every county has the fair is their thing for the year yep. that everyone in the whole county looks forward to the and i don't i think that got overlooked and, and right. i don't know how that gets fixed. I don't know either. I don't either. And and frankly, when it comes to the Kennedy Center, they can go out of business as far as I'm concerned because they screwed up. They got, yeah, sure. wh what was it, $25 million or something like that. And then like three days later, they laid off all their employees. And I'm like, That's what the hell do you think that $25 million was for? Right, it's right. to keep them on the payroll. You right. were literally back at the beginning of this. The whole idea with that was we are going to pay you to stay home. So we don't right, transmit yeah. this thing. And the Kennedy Center went, thanks for the cash. Bye. Bye. I, I mean, I'm listening to some of your, your podcast. I do think that you have your finger on something pretty smart whenever you're saying there were a lot of businesses that did stay open and did make money and maybe sponsorship coming into a local thing like a county fair or the state fair from these businesses that did thrive they're going to need to spend some money or else yep. they're going to be giving it away in taxes dollars. Yeah. Anyway. I think Kyle might've mentioned that. I think that might've been on his episode where he was talking about, you know, for the ones that did make it, yeah. a lot of them made it, not only did they make it, they made it really well because, you know, 85% of their competition was forced to close. Correct. And yeah. so, you know, I don't know. I say do the right thing. If it were me, that's what I would do, but nobody, nobody ever asks me. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what the dude who climbs in the box or or, or the guy who puts his wife in a box. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, speaking, you know, twenty twenty one. Are you guys getting your contracts rebooked from last year? Is yeah. that happening? Just just about everybody, and there's a few more. I mean, this week's been really busy with it. Yeah. Which it's funny how the states must have meetings. Yeah. Because then that week all the people i had in that state so like last week was virginia they yeah. must feel like they're happening because my virginia fairs all starting to move. three days said hey we're gonna roll over you still got our dates which i held everyone's dates from last year sure but we run into the problem we have some weeks where people want the show for like a anniversary you know some date with a zero at the end of it or five or five mm -hmm. um, right. they wanted to have our show to come in on the stage and they they're i don't that's that hairy situation where we're supposed to be somewhere else but they booked ahead to get us to on get that us anniversary on that right. year so now the 10-day fair like, wants to roll over but you've got a one-off on that friday now yeah and like two states over or whatever it is you know? right yeah, well she, and I've, i know performers that are in the same boat even if it's not a one-off they booked 2020 at you know i don't know the tennessee state fair but they had the same week for the virginia state fair or whatever the for 21 
And now, you know, the 2020 cancellation saying, well, let's roll over. And they're like, uh, yeah, how do we, how do, we do that? Yeah. It's I really, mean, I would say that's, I would say that's very few of them though. I believe that yeah. most of them are going to just roll over. I pray anyway. Well, right. for us, it's, it's the weeks that you, that everybody has a problem with. It's like that the one Labor week Day. in July, that one yeah. Labor Day, week, Labor Day week, yeah, the, the very first week in October, yeah. you know, the that last you can book of, like 10 times over. Like, it's on, all those. Stretch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. yeah there's there's some weeks in the year that if those fairs were just to roll back to back i'd go in i'd be 20 minutes 20 minutes at the trade show and i'd be done yeah. <laughs> and i'd be like cool i'm good yeah, <laughs> yeah it's absolutely. like how, i wish i owned a ride company i would just talk them you know hey do you mind what? moving it back a week so that the little magic act over on the stage <laughs> can come in <laughs> are you guys seeing any changes in contracts any new language put in for 21 with uh you know covid language yeah yeah, yeah, that's what, the talk. So the force majeure is that that. Yeah, that talking? kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm. I mean, you know, the talk too amongst a lot of the entertainers is, we're going to need to do something to make it right if we leave the house. Or if you're set if up. If we're on the way. If, right. If we're there and set up. If we've operated a day or two and then it shut down, like there, there was never any language for that. Right. But now I think it needs to be there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think we need to, you know, cause I've talked to different people I've got several different agents and lots of different acts. And, um, I have talked to everybody across the spectrum on what their opinion is. And I, mine is, I feel like it's going to land. So it needs to land somewhere in the middle where, you know, if you think about, you know, you guys at call your County or, um, you know, poor all the folks in Miami were 15 minutes from opening. They were lights were on Ferris wheels moving, you know, the corn dogs are getting cooked. They're ready to go. And the County health says you're done. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I, if I was a performer in that position, I don't know that I would be like, you need to pay me in full, right. but God, right. if you could give me enough to at least cover my gas and my travel, you know, 800,000 bucks, whatever it is, just to cover all that so that I'm, I'm good. That would be nice. Cause I know a lot of performers were left and in, in agents who, who cover costs for acts travel and whatnot were left holding a very expensive bag. And yeah. we were lucky. We were in a position where they did cover. They did, they did say, we're going to, well, know, you worked for a few days you were and they supposed paid to, you for the days. You, you yeah. Work. You were supposed to be here for 16 days. We did four. We're going to pay you for five. I mean, it was very okay. fair because we were all willing to sit and wait for a couple of days sure. because nobody there knew. Was, what was there was so much happen. unknown in that first, you know, 14 to 21 days of what was going on. Yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, the only thing that kind of stunk for us is, you know, we do buy new stuff, um, new props every year. And like you said, they're like, I mean, that's like a used car every time we buy a prop. So um, <laughs> we did, you know, buy new stuff for 2020 that didn't, I mean, it saw four days of a show and yeah. then that was it, but we still had the expense for it. So, right. I mean, here come tax time. Hopefully we have some uh, good return <laughs> coming to us. We yeah. I'm going to say you're going to, I think that several of us are going to be, a number of us are going to be writing off some losses this year and oh, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, refund ever. So, I mean, we'll be looking forward to one for a change. We need it. So, yeah, I, I don't, um, you know, I, did, you did just you, find, I, find a way to navigate it. Go ahead. I know that you got like into this podcasting, which was like therapy for a lot of us, right. uh, you know, as we listen therapy to therapy for oh, me, my God, yeah. Yeah. it's been great. Yeah, but, it has been. I mean, did you, we, I, I was like, I have to do something. And I, I have constantly been contacted by friends that worked in the cruise uh, industry 
And these illusionists are like, Josh, you got to do Zoom shows. I mean, I'll help you set it up there, pushing me. But my, I, I've never performed and not had the audience at, participate. It's hard. Yeah. And I've I talked just, to several people. It's really hard. I Even musicians that. that I've talked to, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know, I'm friends with Kafe Anderson and shameless plug for his his Netflix show, Country Ever After. He's a fantastic show. His mm -hmm. family's amazing. Um, but you can tell watching him. I mean, he's a born performer. He's one of the most gifted performers I've ever I've ever heard sing. Um, but he goes and he does his, you know, he'll do an Insta Facebook Live or something like that. But you can tell it's not the same as a live show. You know, he has fun and he'll talk to the folks that are interacting with him on the live stream. But it's different when you have 1500 people or 1000 people or 500 whatever in the audience and they're singing your songs and dancing it's just a different energy and i don't know how you do it with magic yeah, yeah. we just I, I mean i saw and I, i'll tell you it's to the point where we had one friend he was like i want you to watch he would give us the the codes and the passwords and the in, invites to see his shows he was doing he's like really trying to help i yeah. book a lot of fairs for him when people don't have me i suggest his show so he was worried about us and it was very kind to him, but I would watch it. And I just, me and Lee, I said, I just can't do it. No. It's not going to work for me. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm just not that, that type of performer. So not, if you could do it, I mean, my hat's off to you. Well, because also you, we don't do anything small. So we have no space, like we have no space to set up our show and perform. Yeah. And then it would move your, be move your TV, move your, move your couch. <laughs> don't act like we haven't performed in our dining room to practice things. Yeah. That has happened before, but I mean, <laughs> with no audience participation, it would, it would legitimately be me getting in a box, me getting in a box, me getting in a box, me getting in a box for however long the show is. Right, because so you're, you're audience dependent. It's not like a juggler that could, you know, do a trick and be like, you know, that's what I've always related right. that the juggler just needs to not drop anything because they can sit there and perform. Right. And, and, and even if it's one of those, you know, the fair opens at noon and they say you're doing a 1230 show and you're like, there's nobody at the fairground right now. They don't show up right. until four o'clock. Correct. And we've all had those, yeah. but the juggler can, it just becomes a, you know, a fancy practice session for them, a rehearsal. <laughs> I don't exactly know how you just exactly. fancy rehearsal on a, on a zoom or a Facebook live it, when you've got a, okay. a giant saw blade or spikes ready to impale you. Like, I don't. It's just know. not, it's not, it just, I didn't see it. It's being something that I could do well. And yeah. I know yeah. some people had success in it, but I mean, I, I, put my skills into learning uh, how to invest in the market a little more. I was always into it. So I made back a lot of our losses in stock trading, yeah. Yeah. Short, short selling, yeah. you know, I, it wasn't nearly what we would make, but I feel like at least I was able to contribute to my Roth IRA. I didn't lose out on my retirement. Right. So, right. Well, and as long as I feel like if you guys are in, if you guys are in a position financially where you're able to cover your bills and do what you need to do and not you're not falling behind you're not hemorrhaging money um enjoy it best you can enjoy the time off um i know for me the podcast became therapeutic um and i've had several people message me and go it is so nice to hear familiar voices and know that they were going through the same thing i'm going through you know for me i don't read i think before december i'd read three books in 10 years and now I've read four books in six or eight weeks. So yeah. I've got, I've got my whole stack back here <laughs> that I just went, oh, I, I went ham on Amazon and I'm like, I'm just going to go and get just books, 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 books. And, um, you know, I've read all doing all sorts of different stuff and, um, I'm just trying to keep my, myself busy and keep it myself occupied. And in the middle of all this, what, somewhere in this process this year, we've already, we've started it. Um, I don't know when it'll be ready. 
but we're probably going to take 15 to 18, maybe 20 of these podcasts, and we're going to adapt them into a book and, oh. and publish the book. So I may only self-publish it because that'll get it out quicker. And, you know, since it's more timely information, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm all of a sudden I'm a podcast host and I'm about to be an yeah. author now. So I'll take it. <laughs> you started wearing some other hats. Keep yourself busy. I mean, it is. And your wife appreciated that. Yeah. And you honestly, know, yeah. I, I worry when we restart this whole thing and we go back to conventions, it's like so many of us work so hard to build these relationships with fairs and people, they get familiar with us and they see us at trade shows and they check in with us. And now you've got this huge gap of time. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I tried to say that the podcast, there wasn't some advantage to staying a little bit of top of mind and getting to meet these people and tell their stories. And um, so that's been really nice to start to, yeah. to patch some new, really grow some new relationships with people that I have wanted to meet. And now I can meet them in a non-sales place. That's one thing they've all talked about is, you know, they, the trade show, and we all know, like we all, when yeah. They just get hassled and, and pummeled so much of book my act, book my act. And I'm like, well, hey, I want to chat with you. And I don't want to say a darn word about Contra. I want to talk about you and what has been going yeah. on with you guys for 2020. And they're like, okay, let's talk. Mm -hmm. People so. probably really appreciate that. I, I I noticed years ago at the trade shows, like I would watch guys that would, I'm not a good salesman yeah. and to have to sell my act. I mean, is there anything harder than to have to tell people how great you are yeah. and, not seem, <laughs> and not seem like really I, arrogant? It's yeah. the worst I hate thing it. ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sitting there like, what am I going to do? I've got to do something about this. I don't want to have to pull people into my booth. So I started wearing those loud suits years ago. Yes, so I'm the guy I know. that's known for the insane, <laughs> stupid outfits. But it also is the thing where when people hire me, they go, you're not going to wear that at my like, fair, no, right? Yeah. So they oh, like yeah. it. 4.30 a.m. <laughs> with the TV news guy, I'm going to be wearing this loud, bright yeah. and loud and early. Yeah. Wow. Goodness, absolutely. Perfect uh, for the early morning TV. So listen, you guys, we're getting to be about out of time. I got just a couple more questions for you here. Um, in navigating this crisis this last year, have you guys learned anything about yourselves? Oh, you waited till the end to drop the bomb on them. Um, I've learned that I really, really like my husband. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that people always say that it's, I can't believe you guys worked together and you run businesses together and you're together all the time. But like, we're legitimately together all the time now. Like at fairs, I mean, he's out doing his thing. I'm in with the kids. We do our show. We, you know, we still, I can go to Target if I want to. Like he can go to Lowe's if he wants to. Here, like for months and months, we were just here and we didn't kill each other. So that was like really cool. And our kids are super funny. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of the year that I don't get to spend with my kids because right. Lee would, there would be some fairs that Lee wouldn't go to because we would start school with them and she would come home. And so I got to be with them more and watch them grow. Mm -hmm. So that was just priceless, you know, and I had a dog, he passed away this year and he was That's really old. And normally he would go to my parents' house every time we were on the road. Yeah. We would have been on the road when he passed away this so, year. So you got to spend some time with him there at the yeah. end. There's yeah. like blessings. You just yeah. have yeah. to look for them. They're, they're left and right all over the place for us. Yeah, so. definitely. yeah I agree. It's, um, it, it's just been a hell of a year. Um, you know, you, you talk about there of, you know, I found out that I realized that I really do like my husband yeah. early on in the pandemic. There was, it might've been like May, end of April. 
I was seeing all these posts from people that I know that are like, I can't believe what my husband did. I can't believe what my wife did. And they're all complaining all over Twitter and they're complaining. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Did you not marry someone that you actually like? (laughs) Because I'm pretty fond of my wife. And I mean, certainly we get, this has been a challenge this last year. And, you know, because we do get those times away from each other where I'm out on the road and she's at home doing her thing and she's clocking along doing her thing and, and running her schedule and I'm doing mine and everything. And I think that kind of gives a, a little mental break on mm-hmm. having to be constantly on in a marriage. And so I worried that, you know, and how challenging is this going to be that we are home together 24 seven. And, um, I've, all it means is we're just communicating a little bit more in some ways we're over communicating, making sure that, Hey, are you good? We're checking in with each other. And a lot of little fires have been put out because one of us, you know, sniffs something about the other one that did I just say something wrong? And instead of letting it go, we over communicate and go, I think I might've blown it on that one. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have and we it's resolved. Boom. Just like that. And so it really has been nice to, um, have more family time and, and be able to support Sarah at home and, and spend time with Nate. And you have to look for the silver linings because there's more than enough negative out there, but that if you get, if you get buried in the negative, that's the stuff that starts, you know, I think for me at least would, could start me down a very dark mental path that I don't want to go down. Yeah, yeah. Same. I think yeah. we're in the same boat as you. And what I was telling Josh earlier too, what's so strange about this COVID year is like we were talking about the fair family that we all have and how many friends we all have in this industry. And typically like when somebody has a bad year or something terrible happens, we all come together in one way or another to pitch in either financially or just checking in with. But this year was such a strange one because we were all having a terrible year as far yes. as you know business goes. So it was very odd to not be like, okay, so-and-so is having a bad year. We can help them in this way. There was nothing we could do for everybody except yeah. for check-in. That was Sometimes it. that's more than enough though. Cause I yeah. can, I'll tell you this early in the year, one of the first people to check in with me was Courtney Conkle from the Wyoming state fair. She and I are, I, I, I would say we're, we're friendly. We're acquaintances. We have never worked together. She's never hired me. Um, but she walks by and she makes sure she says, Hey, and how you doing at the convention? And we will talk for a minute or two, but it's not like, you know, we're not close the way I'm with, with Kevin and Kristen or some other people in this industry, but she reached out and just said, listen, you know, we know the fairs are all going to rally together. And we know that OABA is going to kind of rally all the concessionaires and the vendors together, but we're worried about, I'm worried about the entertainers. And I just wanted to check in and make sure you were okay. I can't tell you what one Facebook message did brought me to tears that someone cared. And it was only about six weeks into this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten more of it since, you know, there's been more, um, you know, people from the entertainer friends and whatnot that are just sending an email. Hey, what's your schedule looking like? You think it's, you know, you're going to, you know, we're going to get going in 21. Just those little check-ins make such a big, big difference. So if you're listening to this, if you haven't called your friends and your fair managers and whatnot and checked in lately, even if you checked in with them last fall, shoot them another email because this is going to be a long-term deal and we got to, we got to rally in this together and, and get through it. Yes. So with that said, I think we're, jo- we're out of time at this point, but before we go, everyone who goes on the show goes through, if you've listened, a little oh, speed no. round of questions. Oh, I'm so make Josh answer more of these. I feel like I've been answering all the questions. All right. No, no, this is, this is for both. This is for oh, both. Okay. Everybody's <laughs> answering. Ready? <laughs> Question number one. Funnel cake or cotton candy? Cotton candy. Cotton candy. 
Except for sugar and spice funnel cakes. Uh, That's the only funnel cake I'll eat, sugar and spice. Fair enough. Best concert each of you have ever attended? Jimmy Buffett, 18 times. He's a carrot head. (laughs) I like Jimmy too, but my favorite concert of all time was Peter Gabriel. Oh, that was nice. cool. All at Radio yeah. City. Yes, it was that was awesome. a great 80s and early 90s guy. Oh, and David Copperfield ran like he was. That was the soundtrack yeah. of every David Gosh, Copperfield maybe. show with Gosh, Genesis maybe. and Peter Gabriel. Yes. That's it. It was a great one. On an airplane, window seat or aisle seat? All of the, uh, what's it called? <laughs> what, what do I take before I get on an airplane? I'm a nervous flyer. I like to be by the window, but with the window shut. Yeah. And <laughs> I will white knuckle that entire, that's why I'm glad we drive and everywhere. I'm mm-hmm. on the aisle talking to everybody around yes. me. Right. They want to yeah. go to sleep and I'm like He's not the letting them. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, that's where I'm at. If I'm, if I'm awake and alert and I'm going to chat with people, I'm on the aisle. If I'm like, I'm tired, I'm going to sleep. Then I go to the window. Uh, which of you two hog the covers? I use a I use a blanket and Josh has used a sheet. My whole life, only a sheet with my feet sticking out the end. I don't know. It's just <laughs> it, it could be freezing and that's what that's yep. it. Who's who's the better cook? Oh Lee. Me. Leah. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lee. Yes. What's something most people don't know about Josh? What's something most people don't know about Josh? Oh gosh. Let's go. Let's go. He's really, really, really smart about like American history, like Civil War kind of things. He has like a collection of little figurines that his mom keeps trying to give back to him from his childhood. Oh, nice. He's, he's super smart about that. Any question about American history, I'm like, is that correct? Please tell me. And he sometimes- You and I have something in common there, Josh, because I am a U.S. history buff. <laughs> I love it. Love yeah. it. Uh, and Josh, same question to you. What's something most people don't know about Lee? Okay, so this is kind of terrifying. Oh, Lee constantly is- documentaries or podcasts about people getting <laughs> murdered and i should have Sarah would have something in common i have oh, nightmares wow. seriously have nightmares that she's putting a pillow over my face and i have to wake up and just see her sleeping next to me it's like 90 percent of the time i have like an airpod and i'm listening to like um crime junkie or big true crime Did, josh crime. do you ever worry that she's actually learning and educating herself so oh. that she knows how to dispose of your body yes oh yeah absolutely <laughs> the yeah. best part is when he wants to watch a netflix documentary about something i'm like i already listened to this podcast sure, like, I, knows how it ends. I know what happened or i'll be like, you're gonna be super mad about this one yeah. right wow last question for each of you first celebrity crush Oh man, ahead, Josh, you're first. Gwen Stefani. Oh gosh. Oh, I was 14 and I went to the No Doubt concert. <laughs> and she, I touched her. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh, my god. <laughs> Calm down. Um, mine was Jonathan Taylor Thomas, also known as Randy from Home Improvement. Home Improvement. I wrote a letter once to the show telling them that um, Randy needed a girlfriend on the show, and I and you volunteered. I included a headshot <laughs> of myself. Hey, you know what? My favorite question that you've asked is I like, and I want to, I want to ask you. Yes. Where, if this was all over, you had unlimited budget, would you go? Uh, on a vacation. This. Honestly, this is going to sound redundant, um, but it would be probably Key Largo. I'd go down to Tavernier because we. Um, You're not allowed to ask questions. You yeah, well, he's, ask he questions can ask questions. Said. That's just fine. Oh. That's fine. Oh. Um, yeah, so we would go down to Key Largo where my wife and I are scuba divers. And so even if it wasn't Key Largo, it might be Fiji or the Cayman. We go to a dive destination and we go spend a week just diving our heads off. Probably, probably Key Largo. You know, having been diving in Mexico before and been down to the Cayman Islands, it's, 
for as great as those areas are, there's a lot of work when you travel in internationally and to yeah. just be able to drive down to the keys and, and park and get a condo and go jump on a boat. Yep. I'm all yeah. about it. Oh my I gosh. said, I said to Lee, I said, I dream that Robert asks us that question. <laughs> so last <Okay>. question, <laughs> if money's no issue, where do you travel when the pandemic ends? Me first. Great question. Me first. Um, I I'm would so glad I thought of that question to ask you guys. <laughs> I would go to Greece because I'm not Greek, but I've always wanted to go there. I don't know why, but that's where I'd go, Greece. And okay, Greece. My daughter's obsessed with Fancy Nancy from Disney. No uh, idea what that is. It's like a little girl who is She's obsessed with everything French. Yes. So she wants to see the Eiffel Tower. So I would, like most men, I would take my family, put them on a plane and take them to Las Vegas and tell my daughter that that was the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> you could be smarter about it and take her to Disney World and take her to the France Pavilion at Epcot and be like, see, there's the, it's there it is. She's been there before, she's not buying that one. Yeah. She's not going for it. That's a well, I'm so glad I could get you both on the show. If fairs want to reach out to you and chat about entertainment now or in the future, where can they get in contact with you? Thank you. Um, illusionsandescapes.com. Illusionsandescapes.com. Josh and Lee Knotts from the Extreme Illusions and Escape Show. Thank you both for your time tonight. We wish you and your family good health and success for 21. Appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, stay positive and test negative. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've been waiting all night to get that line. All in, night. You? Yeah, plan that one. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Have a good night. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.